Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome to yet another brilliant episode, if I may say that, of the B2B Sales Trends podcast that is brought to you by Global Performance Group, which is a boutique sales effectiveness organization that implements behavior change for salespeople to engage with their customers with competence, confidence to increase win rates, retention rates, and sell based on outcomes. My name is Harry Kendelbacher, and today I have with me the brilliant Jim Hamilton, Chief Client Officer of uh, Jellyfish, a well-renowned digital marketing organization. Hey, Jim, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Harry. Thank you for having me on. As a way of starting this uh, interview, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself, if you would. Sure. Appreciate that. Indeed. Yes. So I'm, I'm, as you, as you mentioned, I'm the chief client officer at Jellyfish. That means I'm responsible for the work we do with our existing clients, making sure it's the highest quality work and it looks to grow our clients' business because that's what it's, that's what it's all about. Uh, And by doing great work for our clients, that gives us the opportunity to grow our business with them. Jellyfish, Jellyfish is a digital partner. We work with global brands on everything from data to media to content. We've got about 2,200 people across 40 offices, and we work with B2B clients as well as B2C clients. I think in terms of the work Global Performance Group does, we're both, you know, we're both a service provider to B2B companies as well as a B2B company ourselves. So the idea of growth through sales and marketing is near and dear to our hearts, certainly. So let's dive right into some of the your 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 knowledge that I'm sure our listeners will really benefit from. What sort of strategies do you recommend for keeping marketing and sales teams aligned? And and what can sales leaders do to ensure that these processes are functioning smoothly? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it is so important that marketing and sales teams are aligned. I'd say. I'd say the most important thing is probably the first thing. It's to be aligned on the strategy, of course, the, of course, the brand purpose and proposition. But in more detail, who who are our target customers and audiences? What are our goals? What are our quantifiable goals? And how are we measured? And for example, so that's a little bit, you know, that's a little bit vague, if you will. But for example, it's very different objectives if our objectives are to grow our percentage of enterprise customers or versus increasing our share of voice in a new category versus scaling our spend at a constant return. These are all very different. And it's crucial that sales and marketing are are aligned. They can't be on cross purposes on, on these things. And then I'd say that many B2B companies, as you know, are executing some kind of account-based marketing. So marketing needs to be aligned to both the kinds of clients and also the specific clients that sales wants to prioritize. So, so, you know, in terms of strategy, customer targets, measurable goals, it's crucial that sales and marketing are are connected in these things. Mm. Mm. And what happens if they're not aligned in your opinion? What, uh, What's the outcome if sales and marketing are not aligned? Because I see a lot of organizations where they're just not aligned. So 
what is the business outcome, negative business outcome, should I say, if they are not aligned in your opinion? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, it's, it is um, su- super inefficient. It's so inefficient um, in terms of the spend um, because you have different groups working on, on different customers. And also customers are, the customers don't look at it as sales versus marketing. They're looking at it as what does this company stand for and how are they engaging with me? And if half half of that engagement is happening in a different way or with a different set of, of customers, um, brands are really missing, missing the way that a B2B sales happens right now. So not only is it inefficient, but the results are really going to suffer. Mm. And, and, and coming back to the first question. Um, so we discussed how important it is that marketing and sales teams are aligned what what do leaders, especially sales leaders, need to do to ensure that uh, that process of alignment is smoothly? Yeah, I think from a sales leadership standpoint, I mean, job number one of sales is always going to be growth, and it's mm-hmm. easy to deprioritize the process. So, I think from a process standpoint, sales leaders have to have to have to walk you know walk the talk, if you will. Um, and be committed to the data and the process. Accurate tracking is crucial. Is crucial, right? Providing fee- providing feedback on uh, what's working and what's not into the marketing process um, is just so important because not only not only is that data used for measurement, but it's used to feedback into the system to figure out who to target next and who to prospect next and what content is working. So. So that commitment to the process and, and accurate data is crucial. And sales leadership has to do that, do has to be the 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 advocate for that. Everyone's so busy, you know, salespeople are so busy, we're all so busy, it's easy to um, to forget those kinds of things. Um the other the other thing I would say is it's easy to um it's easy to keep moving so moving so quickly that um, we're not feeding back some of the things that we're learning from customers. You know, there's definitely a place for qualitative as well as quantitative. What content are customers interested? You know, did they, are we hearing that they really liked an article? They mentioned they read a Gartner report. They saw this, this worked, you know, they're asking for this. Um, Optimization, we're in digital, so we're optimizing all the time. Optimization gets you to a local maximum, but that qualitative feedback from sales can really give you a new starting point to optimize around. So, so connecting those dots in, in all of those ways is, is, is important. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And how do you view the role, and coming back to, to, to the marketing function, how do you view the role of marketing in the process of moving buyers down the sales funnel? It's one of a common issue that we uh, as an organization always hear, and quite honestly, we have to deal with it ourselves. How do you move buyers down the sales funnel effectively from a marketing perspective. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a hot topic right now, Harry. Definitely. Um Tom Roach, our head of brand planning, actually just published, he published a, a blog post on this, on this very, on this very thing. He's done a lot of research in this area and others are coming to a view around it. Um, that views the sales funnel a little bit differently. And specifically it's around this idea of mental availability and what that what that means is that the traditional top of the funnel 
uh, or awareness stage should be viewed perhaps more broadly and more importantly than it has has in the past. And, 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 and what I mean by that is by looking at awareness as mental availability, it, not, it includes not only recall, but reputation, positive associations, the entire emotional connection that a customer has has with your brand. And part of this view is that the consideration part or the mid funnel can often be overweighted, even in high value B2B categories, because even in those sales, there's a strong emotional component. And that's not to say that the mid funnel's not important. Lead nurture is is crucial, right? It's but it but it's to say that the work done before that point will impact positively or negatively the downstream lead nurture. So that mid funnel engagement, whether it's, you know, reviews, endorsements, evaluations, all of, all of those lead nurture things should recognize and amplify that emotional connection. Um, that's happened before. And I'm sure you're seeing, you know, you see this in your research, there's studies that say that, you know, 70 to 80% of B2B buyers cite, reputation as the most important factor when they choose a company to do business with. And that reputation comes in the mental availability up funnel, up funnel stage, if you will, in the traditional model. So, so certainly there's a process of moving buyers down that funnel, but it's, it's more, it's more integrated than I think many, you know, companies may, may conceptually agree that it, of course it has to be integrated, but the actions that they take, don't necessarily reflect that that point of view. The, the the top and the mid need to be connected, and then the bottom of the funnel is to make it really easy for customers to find and and buy. So, so to sum that up, marketing's job is to increase the chance that your brand comes to mind at key decision points, and then at those key decision points, trigger all those positive associations and make it really really easy for the customer to buy your product. Mm-hmm. Love that. How um, this has just come to mind. How important is to understand for an organization what the buyer's journey is on this? Because we always take a look at all right, uh, the salesperson's journey. This is how we assume they make a decision. How how important is to sort of get a buyer's journey map? How do they make the decisions to purchase your your product or services? Is that important for an organization to have and to take a look at before they go into any step further? Or is that sort of an overrated thing in your opinion? Yeah, it's so important. It's so important to reorient uh, reorient to the customer's point of view and how they're thinking through things and the process that they go through is is crucial. I mean, and it's easy, mm-hmm. easy to slip into old habits. We, you know, we were just even you know, even at Jellyfish, we pride ourselves on this, on being client focused. We were, you know, we're in a meeting last week where we were launching a new product and it was, you know, when you, when you launch a new product, you need, you can't start with the internal product view. You have to start with how is the customer going to see it and what's their journey look like. And and that discipline to do that is, is crucial. It's really tough, uh, and and I completely agree with you. It's it's a real discipline. Uh, one of our customers, Amazon Web Services, actually, they are they are the masters of that. I have to say, um, we've been working with them, and they they say they put themselves in the shoes of the customer, and uh, and to 
come up with products and solutions from their point of, from the customer's point of view. And I tell you, every other company says that too, but they're really doing it, which was fascinating for me to learn when we worked with them. They really say, no, it's how do I want to buy if I will be a customer? I, I thought that was very interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, hey, by the way, this mental availability, I love that piece. We're going to make sure that in the podcast, uh, the name of your colleague and the link to that article is, sh is shared with our viewers because I think that's that's very valuable to them, if that's okay with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, moving on here. I really you know, appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. No, it's uh, valuable content, very interesting. Mental availability, I haven't thought, uh, thought about that before. I thought that was fascinating. You know, one of the functions of, of marketing as we see it anyhow is, uh, is, is ensuring in a way that potential customers know of your brand, you know, they know it before they're ever in the market even for your product or services. What's the, what, what strategies do you recommend for marketing and sales teams uh, that are trying to work sort of collectively uh, to target potential customers once they're in the market? Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question, Harry. And I think in some ways it, you're looking at it in a similar way as, as Tom is because there's customers that are in market and there's customers that out of market. And in terms of targeting those prospects, once they're in market, it's, it's about improving the experience for them. Um, you know, B2B customers want to have control of their journey, right? More more now than ever. Google study estimated that B2B buyers are 60% of the way through their purchasing journey before they even speak with a salesperson. So marketing needs to do more to address those areas that customers want to research up front and then make it really easy for them to talk to a person a salesperson when they're when they're ready to. Um, we want to make it really, really easy to find that differentiated value. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this B2B can be a group decision making process. So help your prospects, helping your prospects to help you when they need to, to justify the decision to others, others within their organization. And of course, to reinforce every step of the way that brands mental availability. So every touch point is an opportunity to demonstrate the kind of company that you are. Yeah. And, and tagging on to what you've just said, how do you determine whether a potential customers in or out of market, so to speak, uh, in relation to your product or service. Is there a way to determine that, to say, yeah, no, they're not in the market for us? Yep. They're one of the, I think one of the incredible technological increases over the last, you know, decade or so are the, the, the data points that can provide insight into that data signals from platforms from ABM tools, uh, provide provide signals uh, about which which um, which individuals and which companies are could be in the market for your products. It's also about your first party data. Certainly, um, I think companies are definitely. I mean, companies are definitely under. I mean, there's a lot of third party data out there, but that's that's a commodity because other other your competitors can can purchase that as well. But then it's about the first party data, looking at your engaged audiences understanding how to um, use that first party data in a sophisticated way to um, to create 
you know, to understand what works, to create lookalike audiences, to target new prospects based on what you've learned from your existing clients. And I think that's that's why that data process is so important because having a sales commitment to tracking what's working really feeds back into determining who else is in market and how do we engage with them. Mm. Mm. Fascinating. Very interesting. Um, inbound marketing, shifting gears here. With a lot of organization, inbound marketing plays a big role um, in the company's sort of overall efforts in relation to marketing. What criteria do you think differentiate, say, MQL from an SQL, a marketing qualified lead from a sales qualified lead? Yeah. Um, well, I'll give a quantitative answer. I think it's I think it's a um I think it's a continuum and I think it's just the probability to buy. Sales qualified leads are closer to purchase than uh than marketing qualified leads. And and what role do you think sales leaders should play in that process? Yep, certainly. I think um I think it's a partnership. Sales and marketing both have a role in both marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. Sales is responsible for the feedback loop. As uh, you know, marketing needs to know what worked and what didn't. And marketing, um, marketing is responsible for the downstream quality. We have, you know, we have we have customers that um, where both sales and marketing will share the KPIs for sales qualified leads because ultimately, if marketing sending leads to sales that don't qualify from their standpoint, that's 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 a fail. So, so I think it's this. So, I, so I would say in some ways that it's looking at MQLs and SQLs as you know not as completely separate, but it's a it's it really is a it's a it's one journey from the from the customer standpoint and and thinking about how sales and marketing partner on both of those and 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 work together on them um, is is crucial. Interesting. If you put on your sort of your your innovation had on at that stage what what do you see as the next wave of innovation in terms of marketing and how do you see it impacting the future of sales teams and how they operate yep it's a great question and if if, if i mean if we if we had i wish i had the answer to that one but um right. I, i would say you know, is I think there's a I would say that I think there's an optimistic and a pessimistic view, uh, depending on how you look at it. In an optimistic view, um, in the B 2 B space, some of it goes back to the fact that customers want to be in control of that journey themselves. So it's advancements in the ability to create that experience for them to take control of that journey that is 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 really so so interesting. From Jellyfish's standpoint, we look to do that by providing. Um, providing the ability to localize high-end content and experiences at global scale. Um, certainly Global Performance Group is seeing that as well. More and more can be done at, at this massive global scale as long as it's localized to, to, to the right market. So that natural progression to, a, to content and digital experience where customers can go further themselves before speaking to a salesperson um, is so important. And I think that that means... You know, I mean, that's I mean, that's good and bad from a salesperson standpoint. It's mm. great for the best salespeople, right? Because they're they'll thrive, right? Customers want to talk to them, talk to people who can add value on top of all the things that they've already done, and the best salespeople can do that. So they'll have a more challenging customer 
but they'll also have a customer who's closer to purchase at that time. So those people will thrive and, and those salespeople that aren't so good and aren't able to have an informed, sophisticated conversation with prospects, that's not so great. It's not as great for them, certainly. So I think that's the optimistic view. Um, certainly when it comes to innovation, um, we've seen, you know, just in the last week or two, we've seen the uh, earnings announcements from from Snap and Facebook now, Meta, on the impact of um, Apple's uh, privacy-related moves. So privacy concerns are top of mind for consumers, for B2B customers as they should be. Um, but increased privacy can come at a cost. And from a, from a sales and marketing standpoint, um, that cost can be less informed advertising, less targeted advertising, which can be more expensive, can be more wasteful. And, and the reason for that is it's it's less well-targeted. It's more poorly targeted. All those signals about in-market and out-of-market um, become less precise, which means less qualified leads, more legwork for sales teams. It's almost the flip side of the other the other trend. So, so it's really going to be interesting to see what happens over the next over the next couple of years. There's things that are moving us in a in a in a more innovative, more uh, more technological driven, more interesting, especially from a digital standpoint. And then there's other things that are, you know, that are that are creating creating hurdles. So it'll be really interesting to see how things how things play out. Mm. Now, I love I love that 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 uh, view at either pessimistic or optimistic view, like with so many other things in life, uh, but it really hits it home. And, uh, and I think it's, it's any organization's decision uh, uh, to make, do we go the more optimistic route, which will be more painful, more, more change, which is always uncomfortable, but what's the alternative? The alternative is the other way. And clearly, as you've just outlined, will not yield the results going forward that that we all all desire. Very interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think to your point, it's being, you know, the most important thing is to be, have a mindset that embraces change, that tries new things, understanding that some of them aren't going to work and we just need to be paying attention to, to what's happening out there. And why is change so difficult out of interest? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's, habits can be good and bad, right? I mean, we're habitual creatures, right? If you get up every morning and go exercise, that's a great habit. If you get up every morning and do the same thing with your, uh, with your customers, that's not, not necessarily a good, a good habit because things change and we just have to make sure we're aware of that and recognize when we're falling into a habit that is not going to be useful when, when the world has changed around us. Mm -hmm. We always refer to it as uh, the key to any any change is to to embrace the difficultiness that comes with it, uh, the pressure that comes with it. That impression, you know, creates tension in ourselves. So we have a couple of options: we either run away from the tension, or we reside in it and make sure that uh, we use it uh, as a positive force of things that supports that agility that I need. In order to change, and in order to change, you got to really challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone, to get out of the fact that uh, the way I've done it always before 
is uh, is not necessarily uh, the future of things of how to do it. So always being agile in that respect, always being challenging yourself and having the courage to do that because I think that's that's the difficultiness and the comfort zone is familiar and safe and uh, anything else is painful, but uh, you have a choice there. You either stay or, or you move with it. And uh, if you move with it, it will be a slightly painful, but good painful. I love that. I really love that point of view because, I mean, it recognizes that we're all human. It's not like there's other people out there that aren't uncomfortable. It's embracing that discomfort because that means you're you're doing something new and different. I really like that point of view. Exactly. Jim, thank you so much. You've been a wonderful uh, guest on our podcast. Thank you for your time and for sharing these very valuable points of view. I really appreciate that. Thank you also to all of our listeners. My name is Harry Kendelbacher. Visit us at globalperformancegroup.com if you want to learn more about Jim and Jim's organization, Jim Hamilton on LinkedIn or on jellyfish.com. Thank you for everybody. We'll hear us again in our next episode of the B2B Sales Strength. Happy selling, everyone. Look after yourself.